good afternoon. Thank you for choosing to spend your afternoon here with us. Um, for those who don't know, I'm Patricia Oden Faber, and I do a podcast show to help people maximise property values. It's called Maximising Property Values, and you can find it on your popular podcast platforms. So if you tap on the link above, you should be able to see your favourite uh, um, um, app, listening app, and that will then allow you to subscribe to the show if you want to. So you'll find it on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, on Audible. However, normally that is a monologue. And I've now added a guest series from the 17th of November. I know the exact date when it started. And my guest today to join an array of amazing guests is Kerry Beckingsale. So we are going to get to know Kerry a little bit more. So who is Kerry? Kerry, I am going to let you introduce yourself. Who are you? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I don't know if any of us really know who we are anyway, do we? (laughs) We just know what we've done and where we've got to so far. I'm, I'm on that journey as much as anybody to find out who I really am and what's important to me and so on. But um, for now, I'm a property investor, trainer and mentor. Um, I've been doing this since 2005. Well, I, I started property investing in 2005. The the training and mentoring, mentoring came a bit later. Um, I'm a former commercial studio photographer, so um, did that prior to this. Um, and all round general optimist and love it when the sun's out. How does that work for, for starters? <laughs> that is amazing, amazing. But Kerry, welcome to Maximising Property Values. And before we go into your main property activities, I have two questions for you. So you are lucky. I'm only asking you two questions. The first one is, so you and I are starting a business venture together. So this is a bit selfish of me, I have to admit. Okay, right. (laughs) So the first one is, have you ever regretted a previous business partnership? And if you have, why? The second one is, what was the process of you becoming head of training for Fielding Financial? Because there may be people who will listen to this on the replays or are listening now who might want to know how one gets to such an elevated status, you know me. Um, So if you could maybe share that with us, that will be great as well. So over to you, Kerry. Okay, which one do you want to know the answer to first? (laughs) Number one. Okay. Um, Right, so have I ever regretted a business partnership? Okay, so the, the answer, as is always the case with me, is not straightforward, I'm afraid. So I would say that the, the answer to it is yes and no. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background, when I first got into property, prior to that, by the way, I was a serial employee. So, you know, stepping into the entrepreneurial game is, is a relatively new thing for me. It only sort of happened in 2012. So I haven't been doing it quite as long as you. Um, And I actually did my property training with a very good friend of mine and I was chomping at the bit and had always wanted to get into property and knew that this was the path for me. And I think she 
kind of got caught up in the ride um, and I didn't recognize that that was what was happening because um, she had done a property development before. It was just an, a, a small bedroom, a small, not a small bedroom, a small property, a two, two bed semi, or it might have been terraced actually, that she and a friend had done up and sold. So I took that to mean that she was, you know, a property developer in the waiting like I was. So we did a couple of deals together in very short succession and they were, um, so we didn't use any of our own money. I know that you know that that's something that I do, you know, so right from the word go, as soon as I learned how to do this, I invested using other people's money. And so the first property we bought was a burnt out wreck. It's one of the ones that I use as an example when I'm training people. And it cost us £25,000. And the refurb cost us £25,000. But it was quite scary, even for me. You know, it was the first deal that we did. Um, and we had to sort of keep giving ourselves a little check in and saying, well, OK, you know, are we are we doing the right thing here? But we 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 knew our numbers. And we had a team um, that were, you know, handling the refurb for us. So we had confidence. And then very closely on the back of that, another property followed. And so all of the money that was uh, that went into this, in fact, um, my business partner did actually put some funds into the deal. But we paid her in the same way that we would another angel investor. So it wasn't um, she wasn't just taking an equity stake. She was actually getting interest as well. Um, and I think it was just all a bit too much for her. And um, I didn't realize immediately because she uh, kept it very well hidden, I guess, because she didn't want to let me down. We were friends after all. But it came to sort of deal number three. And I was chomping at the bit and moving forward and trying to book viewings and excuse me one second. <clears throat> But there was always seemed to be something that was in the way, you know, it wasn't the right time or, you know, she couldn't get the time off work or, you know, whatever it was, there was excuses and excuses. And I started to think, well, you, what is going on here? You know, we're not moving forward. Why is that? And in the end, it sort of came to a head and we had a conversation and I said, look, what's going on? And she basically admitted to me that she was struggling to sleep nights. Now, I appreciate that property isn't for everybody, certainly not um, the active property journey isn't for everybody. And clearly she was one of those people. Also, you have to take into her case her personal circumstances as well. Her why was not as strong as mine. I didn't have a pension to speak of. I mean, I've got little bits and pieces here and there, but nothing major. I also knew that my job wasn't going to be secure for life. I was a professional studio photographer. And of course, when digital came into play, everyone's a photographer. So I knew that ultimately that industry was going to get eroded um, and, you know, it, it wasn't going to be secure for me. So I had a massive why. I knew that I needed to do something ASAP and property had always been an interest for me. Now, she, on the other hand, she had a good job, very secure job. She earned a, a decent salary. She had a, um, she's a civil servant, so she had a good pension. So the why, the desire wasn't there. And so when you couple that with the sort of stuff that we were doing right at, from the outset, we weren't doing it, you know, those, the kind of um, buy a property, wait for the market to go up kind of thing. We were using other, other people's money, et cetera. I can see why it was a challenge for her. So why? So that that's obviously you can see from that 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 is a regret because what I ended up having to do was buy her out, 
and I was I was particularly generous. What we did was we split the properties that we'd bought together so far. I took the cheaper one with the less rent. She kept the the slightly more expensive one with the higher rent. And I also paid her back the money that she'd put into the deal as well, even though she'd earned interest on it. And so I actually bent over backwards um, to clear her out so that she could feel that she uh, had come out of it, you know, without um, feeling too scathed. And so I essentially was starting again from scratch. So so that was why I regretted it, essentially, and partly also because it did affect our friendship for a while. Obviously, I was frustrated from not moving forward. And she, I think, was was felt felt a little bit guilty also for kind of holding things up for me. But in hindsight, I don't regret it because um, we're, we're back great buddies again now. But also, it, I had that mistake early on. I had a business partner early on that wasn't a good fit. And I learned the lessons needed about how to choose somebody that I can work with that is going to be um, important to help me grow the business. Um, so I kind of got that mistake out of the way. And my next business partner... Um, as you know, Patricia, I've been working with since I think it's 2015. Um, he's a builder and um, we've been able to grow the portfolio, you know, really amazingly because we just dovetail so well together. I mean, we're different personalities. We've got different skill sets. But what's what's similar, I would say, is we have the same work ethic and we have very aligned values. So he... Um, is a bit of a perfectionist. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So we don't ever have issues about standard of work or, you know, so it just, it works brilliantly. And I don't think that would have been the case if I hadn't have been through that earlier hiccup, shall we say. So did that, know, answer, did that answer your question? <laughs> oh, well, do you know what, as you were talking, I was literally just thinking about, and, um, you know, people who um, are Christians here and it's like um know the bible but probably thought the same thing abraham and lot when the, when they went their separate ways and abraham said to lot you know you choose and he chose all the fertile land and abraham was left with you know the not so good bits but who actually thrived in the end it, it literally just that is what came to mind um so yes thank you very much for sharing that actually just um, add on from what you've just said you know, at the time, I don't suppose I really considered it. It just was the easiest way to clear things because my goal was to move forward. And the sooner I could do that, the, the better. So I was basically in that mindset. But actually, the property that I ended up keeping out of the ones that we bought has been the one that's been part, you know, such a great example when I'm teaching because of the uplift that I got, because of the formulas that I followed in order to achieve the uplift that if I, I mean, I still would have been able to, to use that as an example, but the fact that I still have it in my portfolio, I think just gives that so much more strength, you know. So I see that, you know, I came out um, on top, really, although it did set me back initially. Um, yeah, so yeah, just wanted to add that. Do you know, I, I've made a mistake with your interview, because normally I say, the first two questions cannot be property related, but I guess I opened myself to this because Fielding Financial is all about property. Well, not just about property, but you know, largely about property. So, because normally no one talks about property at this stage. Um, 
but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it because what I'm now going to do is when you answer the second question, we are going to go back to what you've just spoken about, to what you've just spoken about and go into it a lot, in a lot more detail, if that's okay. So your second question, what was the process of you becoming the head of training for Fielding Financial? Yeah, so the the actual title I have is head of faculty, but I guess it means the same thing. Um, yeah, so I went and did, um, so I started as a student, basically, and I did their initial training program, which is a three-day course in 20, uh, 2012, June of 2012. And I then... Um, bought on to do their advanced program even though I didn't have the money I stuck it on a couple of credit cards but I had the faith and I had the why as I've already mentioned so and basically we took action so me and that business partner I've just been mentioning we 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 got stuck in and we started buying and I think we started to gain attention and because we'd done it in the way that we'd been taught so we didn't have money we had to learn how to do it with other people's money we were using the formulas and finding deals that's that actually you know aligned with all of that so um the powers that be i guess noticed us a chap called jamie barnett i don't know if anyone's heard of him but um He's one of our trainers at Fielding and he's, I mean, his growth in property has been unbelievable. I mean, when he came to Fielding, he had, I think, three student HMOs. He now, he now does multi high rise blocks for students, you know, 200 plus rooms type thing. So very, very experienced. Anyway, he wasn't at that place then, but he, he kind of spotted what we were doing. And he said, would you like to do a webinar and um, with me and share your success and, and what you're doing with some of the other students? So I said, yes. Now, at the time, it was quite scary because don't forget, my former career was photographer. So I didn't know anything about webinars or how to prepare for them. I actually literally had to knuckle down and learn how to use PowerPoint before this webinar so I knew so I could actually even create some slides and um, and that went well and on the back of that I then got asked to speak at one of the conferences where you know all the all the students come and on the back of that they asked if I would like to be part of the crew so I said yes you know it's that that phrase um, that uh, Richard Branson's known for say yes and find out how later so I joined the crew and I think that was really important for my growth actually because property investing can be really difficult when you're own and i you know clubhouse has been amazing for that because all of us are kind of connected on this basis but when i started that wasn't the case you know didn't have apps like this and so the only way to stay connected was to be around those people that were doing it and so being invited to be one of the crew members meant that i was constantly exposed to people that were doing deals and i was learning and repetitive learning like you know i might be learning the same information but it was going deeper each time i heard it it's like peeling an onion isn't it so um and and that that you know ethos about hanging around with people that are just that little bit further ahead than you really helps bring you up and so i think that was pivotal in my success um and then one day i'd been doing the crewing maybe for seven six or seven months at this point and jill fielding um i don't know if you guys have heard of her but um she's it's basically her company she's a multi-millionaire through property she's been on the telly and all the rest of it so it's her company 
And um, she was with us on this particular weekend and she said, okay, I'm looking for new speakers who fancies it. And before I knew it, I kind of looked up and my hand was in the air and I couldn't tell you, I have no recollection of how that happened because I didn't want to be a speaker. It hadn't been on my list of goals and I guess something took over. And, um, and so that was it. And, um, they had a, a couple of established speakers at that time, but she was doing a lot of the presentations and another lady could, called Maria Davis, who's a very established property investor. And so this was a, a big step um, for me. So it was myself and another lady uh, put their hands up and we basically had a fantastic sort of, well, I, it took me six months to train and that meant um, lots of, you know, one-to-one time or two-to-one time with, with Jill. So I learned all of her secrets and tips and tricks and what have you. And I, I, so that um, conversation happened in the April, I think it would have been 20, um, uh, 2014, no, yeah, 2014, no, 2015, I apologize. And I went live in the October that year, um, doing the the courses and from there I then became a mentor um and the rest as they say is history and you know maybe shortly after that they um gave me the head of faculty position so so yeah so I think it's really uh, to to sum up how did I get the gig I took what they taught me I put it into practice as terrifying as I was um not as terrified as I was, sorry, as terrified as I was, not as terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Although I have been told I'm terrifying, so maybe that wasn't a Freudian slip. Um, So, uh, yeah, I just just put it into practice. And I think um, I have a way of delivering the information that people um, get inspired and gain confidence. Uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't still be doing it, I guess. So, yeah, I hope that answered the question. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Wow. So first of all, congrats. And you know, the mere fact that you are still with your original business partner is something that makes me marvel. I'm, 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 that is just so amazing. So tell, can you just tell us, because, you know, there might be people listening to this or people in the audience who might not be um, able to, I should probably Just, ask, are you feeling a little bit more confident about going into biz with me? With me? <laughs> <laughs> I never had any doubts. So I think I'm more like, you know, the Richard Branson, which is, you know, start it and then, you know, just tweak things as you go along. If if you know, if if the desire is there, to my mind, there's no reason why things shouldn't succeed. But time will tell. Time will tell. No, no, no. And also, I respect you. And we have we ha- we have so much in common i just thought you know n- no issues on my part but i should ask you the same question any regrets yet <laughs> no i agree i think you know when you and i met it was um there was an instant connection wasn't there and we do we do have a lot of um we've got similar personalities haven't we and we've got a lot in common so yeah absolutely i mean i'm looking forward to it it's going to be great oh i know amazing and we've got our first room next week but tomorrow actually but this is not about that so tell okay so Kerry you are very very active in property talk us through your last project how it went the ups the downs you and I we tell it as it is we don't sugarcoat so and 
everything that I've done, there've been ups and downs. You know, I've come out the other end thinking, yeah, definitely well worth it. I'd do this again, you know, if I had, you know, my chance to 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 do over. But it it doesn't take away from the fact that there are ups and there are downs. So if you wouldn't mind, if you if you've had, you know, a similar experience, can you just share with us maybe the last couple of projects actually, that would be good. Yeah, I've got a couple that I can share that um, kind of fulfill this. <laughs> so um, let me start with one that we did a couple of years ago, which was um, it was a probate property. And it was one of these family homes that people have extended again and again, such that when it's, you know, on the market at that point, it just was such a weird kind of layout that it, it obviously suited the family that lived there. But when it comes to the market, it, you know, it, it really didn't. Um, it wasn't selling itself, let's say. But from our perspective, looking at it from um, a developer eye and knowing the potential to change it into an HMO. I mean, it was screaming HMO right from the from the time that I saw it on Rightmove. I think it was Rightmove we saw it. Now, I, I didn't realise, and I will say this, um, until relatively recently, following a conversation with my business partner, that there's a real skill to being able to look at a, a floor plan and identify how you can, you know, mix it up and make the best use of that. I thought everybody could do that. And I particularly thought that he could do it at being a builder. But no, he can't. So he relies on me to kind of be able to look at the the, the property and scope out how we can get the, the best use out of it. Now, this property, it had had a garage. Um, they then converted, they'd joined the garage to the house. So there was this long walkway that sort of went from the front to back. It had been extended out the back, so there was a sort of um, an L-shaped, almost a U-shaped, actually, living dining space. And it was it hadn't been touched probably since the 19, I want to say 60s, because the kitchen was in sort of avocado colour. Um, so 60s, maybe 70s, so something like that. Anyway, um, the sale went through relatively well. We got it for a good price. We got it slightly below market value. Um, so there weren't any hitches there. Now, the property was big enough to convert to seven bedrooms. So it was three beds when we bought it, and we we wanted to convert it to seven bed all en suite, and there was the space to do that. But those of you um, that already know do HMOs, you know that... Um, when you go for seven people or more, you need to get planning permission. So sui generis planning permission. And um, you always, as a, a developer, you want to have a, a fallback position because we didn't know that we were going to get planning permission. So the property needed to work as a six person HMO. So we had pl plans drawn up for both six bed versions and seven bed versions. And this invo involved moving the kitchen. Um, and we moved the kitchen because you don't actually need windows in a kitchen, but you do need windows in a bedroom. So the former kitchen basically became a bedroom and um, you need windows for living space as well. So we, we jigged the property around to make the best use of the space and obviously put in for planning. Now, this is where it started to go wrong <laughs> and I've still got the uh, the grey hairs to prove it. So we engaged a planning consultant based on recommendation. 
But the person that had been recommended was not the person that we ended up dealing with, although they were they were still sold to us as an expert. And essentially, it became clear quite early on that um, they weren't very good. They were off sick a lot. Um, it was difficult to get through, no communication. And the first planning permission um, basically got turned down without us even knowing anything had happened, you know the consultant didn't even contact us i mean it was just an absolute car crash anyway my instinct was screaming this isn't right but because it was um we hadn't done this type of deal we hadn't gone for the sweet generis prior to this so it was a new thing for us so i kind of talked myself out of complaining um and thought well they're the expert they know what they're doing and foolishly you know we we had another go Anyway, we're now how many years later, um, three or four years down the line, and we still haven't got planning permission on this property. Um, cut a long story short, we we ended up, I mean, it's, it's a running HMO and it works all day long as a sixth person. We did develop the seventh room. You don't need the planning permission to actually create the seventh room. You need the planning permission for the seventh person. So that room is sort of out of bounds at the moment. And um, we did end up complaining to the uh, planning consultant company. And the guy has done it again for us for free. He's waived his fee. Sadly, I think the damage is done. Um, so if we don't succeed this time round, and we were due to hear on the 7th of November and here we are now in February and we've not had any communication from the planning um, uh, team at all at the council. Um, so if we don't get it this time, then what we'll do is we'll turn that bedroom into a private um, lounge for one of the bedrooms and just charge slightly higher rent on that particular room. So we are slightly scarred from this. Um, they turned it down based on lack of plan uh, parking, by the way. Now, this the driveway actually has four spaces, so it's quite laughable, really. Um, and it's in a, a sort of private road where there's on-street parking. And we've, we've done parking um, surveys, and every single time we've done parking surveys, and we're talking probably 10 to 15 surveys now, Every time we've done that, there's been no more than one or two cars on the street. And yet the reason for turning it down is lack of parking. So, it, I mean, it's laughable, really. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's where something went wrong. But it also, like I say, it, it didn't because it does work. And anything now, if we do get planning, um, will be a bonus um, on top of that. Do you know, there I was, was just... I was just yeah, going to ask you if, you know, why he didn't say for you to do like parking surveys, but you've done not just one, but 10 to yeah. 15. Yes. That yeah. is, oh, why didn't, why didn't he take you to appeal? Because like we you did, say, it's We laughable. did go to appeal, but we were still with the, uh, with the negligent planning consultant and she made mistakes and uh, 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 yeah. So okay. yeah, yeah. Lessons learned, massive lessons learned on that um, because it would have been accepted on appeal, no doubt. Um, so, yeah. Um, we also had issues, by the way, with the broker on this particular deal as well. So once we'd finished the works, um, we then went to apply for the refinance and the broker kept saying to us, well, you need rent statements. And I said, well, no, we don't because we've worked with this lender before 
and they haven't asked for rent statements before. I mean, we can give rent statements for those um, that we've already got people in, but he wanted us to have the property fully let before he would even go for refinance and he kept dragging his heels. So I don't know what that was all about. Maybe it was a way to um, create extra funds for the lend. I don't know, it was just really odd and we did end up complaining and we did get some money back not a lot, but in, but they did um, basically put their hands up and say, well, the lender did put their hands up and said that there were unnecessary delays. So the refinance took a year on that one. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Uh, sorry, when I say a year, I don't mean from when we applied for the refinance, but it was probably six months. So uh, we weren't happy with that. So all in all, that particular deal gave us lots of headaches. But, you know, every time you have challenges you learn, you know, you know what not to do next time. Um, and so I don't begrudge any of the things that go wrong. And I'm I'm naturally sort of cautious anyway. So we, we um, mitigate for a lot of these things anyway, but you can't know everything. You can't possibly know everything. There's, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the explanation of the stuff that you know. If If we took everything that we knew or everything that there is possible to know, you draw a circle and in that circle there would be segments there would be the stuff that you know that you know there would be the stuff that you know that you don't know but the biggest section in that circle would be the stuff that you don't know that you don't know and that's what we can can't possibly mitigate for because we don't know so i hope i'm just confused everyone with that little circle i'm doing venn diagrams no. on clubhouse that's clearly not going to work is it <laughs> do you know that is such a great analogy and if i can just interject right here it's for people who keep second guessing themselves we all are human beings and if head of faculty can admit to not knowing everything don't expect for you to know everything, just know where you can get answers from and and know again the stuff that you don't know. Because once you know the stuff you don't know, you can go about learning and moving that, that segment into the stuff that you know you know. Um, but you know, Kerry, I couldn't agree with you more. It's the stuff that we, we don't know we don't know that causes the most problems, absolutely the most. It's so great to just hear you say that because people people think that they should know everything and they can know everything. And it stops, I think, in my view, in any event, some people from taking action. But I, I shall, as people say, I shall, what do they say? I surrender the mic or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, I was pressing buttons there and I've got myself in a pickle. Um, right, yes. Yeah. So um, was there another question in there? No, I was just agreeing with you. So you weren't listening to me. Oh, well, fine. you're not listening to me, Kerry. <laughs> well, I, I was, but you know you know how you get caught on the back channel. So um, my apologies. Oh, I've just called it back channel. Back chat. <laughs> I prefer back chat. Back chat. No, no problems. I was just saying um, it, it, it's refreshing to hear you admit to not knowing everything because people actually expect that they should know everything 
And I was just saying, we can't all know everything, as you've just very clearly explained. So it's 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 more about learning about the things that we know we don't know and surrounding ourselves, surrounding ourselves, um, you know, with people who might be able to know the things that we don't know we don't know. Anyway. Well, I'm, I'm going to share with you myself. something I don't know, and that's all the changes on Clubhouse. So I know you've asked me to share my... Um, Facebook. I haven't got a clue. I'm pressing buttons left, right, and centre, which is why I got myself in a pickle. So, um, but you see, then that's yeah. something that you know you don't know. Indeed. <laughs> um, yes. And, and okay. So, for people in the room, people who are going to be listening, you know, to the replays or on the podcast, I've been trying to pin Kerry's Facebook link, but Facebook won't let me do it. So I wondered if they'd let Kerry do it. But if you would like to know. You can go to https um, colon forward slash forward slash www.facebook.com forward slash. So this is the bit that you need, kerry.beckingsale. So Facebook forward slash kerry.beckingsale. So neither of us have been able to pin it up here for the benefit of people in the room. But if you're listening, even if, if you're in the room, if you want to go there, just go into your browser, enter Facebook, forward slash Kerry.beckingsale. Right, okay, that's over and done with. Phew! <laughs> right, so, um, so let me mention the other deal then, um, which also had challenges, pr probably not quite so um, challenging, but this was a, um, a flat in a... Um, converted building and it's listed now when we went to view the property i asked the agent i said is this listed it looked like it would be listed it's you know gorgeous high ceilings edwardian type building just you know really stunning um ceiling roses high skirting boards you know you can picture the the, the kind of place and the agent said to me oh no no it's not listed so we were really surprised anyway so we um put in our offer because Listed, for those of you, I mean, I'm sure loads of people in the room know, but listed um, buildings can be challenging when you're developing them. You need to get listed building consent. And there's a lot of things you can't do. You can't just replace the windows. You can't do anything that's going to materially affect the exterior of the building, um, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, it's because they're trying to preserve our history, you know, our, our beautiful buildings. So we, we you know... Um, didn't didn't want to proceed on this if it was listed because we knew that we want what we wanted to do was move the kitchen which is in a standalone room at that time into the living area um and this is by the coast and it, the living area actually benefits from sea views and how we live these days most people sort of live in their open plan living or like to live in the open plan living and it just made sense to us to move the kitchen but that would have mean it would have meant relocating the boiler and also the water meter which of course are affecting the exterior of the property so we um we did you know if it had been listed we wouldn't have gone ahead with it anyway at, we're going through the buying process and you know you get your buyer information forms and um the question one of the questions to the vendor is is the property listed and the answer was no and this was we were buying this last year so at, any of you that were buying last year uh, well, and even this year for that matter, you know how slow it is with um, uh, getting the searches done, etc. So the search, I mean, we had our offer accepted in September and we didn't complete until 
the middle of January, but we only got our searches literally the week before um, completion or two weeks before, something like that. It was quite late. And, and obviously in the searches, it came up that it was listed. <laughs> so our hunch had been right all along um, and um, <laughs> we should have dug down further. So again, lesson learned, we, you know, you should got, you've got to follow your instinct. Your instinct is such an important part of this property investing malarkey. And uh, we, we didn't. But anyway, at that point, we were so in love with the building, we just decided to go for it anyway. But of course, if we'd known it was listed back in September, we'd have got our listed building application in back then. Because of course, that's another thing that seems to be taking forever at the moment is anything to do with planning permission and anything to do with listed building consent. So these things are taking ages and that held things up. I mean, we'd anticipated. Actually, Terry, yep, go on. Let me correct you. If you'd known it was listed back in September, you wouldn't have offered on it. Well, the, yeah, this is true. And actually, I'm kind of glad that we didn't now because it's it's been a really good deal for us and will and will continue to be, I think. So sometimes accidents or mistakes happen for the, you know, for the benefit of you, you know, because like like you quite rightly said, we wouldn't have proceeded with it. Um, because uh, I mean, I've got other listed properties, but my business partner is a bit nervous about um, doing that sort of thing because of these delays, etc. So, yeah, so the, the refurb was due to be completed by April and we didn't actually finish it until December. And, and the main delay there was the, well, partly the listed building consent, which took seven months. And then also the um, getting the meter moved because these they wouldn't even consider having conversations with us until the consent came through. And then, of course, that took ages to. Uh, so we got on with what we could in the background while we were waiting. But we bought it for one fifty. Uh, we spent forty, and it's just refinanced at two two five. So we're just going to get a nice little lump sum in our bank any day. And um, yeah, so and we've already had some great comments from um, local. Got an advert running at the moment to assess demand. You know, we've got high rental figures in mind. So. It's looking good. So there's always things that go wrong. Um, and there's always things that go right, despite uh, yourself. So, you know, property can be very forgiving, but it can also be very unforgiving, I think. So with this one, your offer was that, or you actually saw it, Strip made an offer in September, not last year, 2020. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's so, do you know, two things you've highlighted during this, during this talk. One is that, do you know, do not expect to know everything. Impossible. Number two is that if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. It's about how you turn it around and how you make it work for you. And, you know, I love the example that you've given. You loved the property and that is how it's really, really helped you. Because I know there's a train of thought that says when you're buying um, to invest in, don't buy it because you like it. But I've never, I, I can't buy anything I don't like. I, personally, I have to, I have to like that place. I have to be able to see myself in that place. And I think for me, this is my second exit type thing before going in i'm already thinking about how i'm going to go out if i need to and the more attractive the property the easier it's going to be for you to offload it so i think maybe in my head that's what's always going on but 
great stuff. So how tall were your ceilings in this in this flat? It just sounds amazing. How big were your windows? I'm I'm, I'm picturing massive picture windows yeah i mean they are big i mean don't ask ask me um dimensions because i'm not that way inclined i mean i'm sure andy would be able to tell you but i mean the windows aren't are they floor to ceiling i mean certainly in the lounge area they're almost yeah they're not quite floor to ceiling but the ceiling is you know what's a normal ceiling height normal is usually about 2.4 listed buildings conservation areas most of those will be about three three point two yeah and listing... I, would say, I would say it's at least double and normal but potentially even more than that in the main living area right um, right and and the master bedroom um and actually one of the other bedrooms as well there's one bedroom that doesn't doesn't have the full height ceiling and that's because there's a loft hatch um space up there so but the rest of it is yeah it's lovely could you have like put some mezzanine floors in or would, would that yeah I, I suppose so um but for us we've, we've already taken it from a two bed to a three bed so anything further we've also took, got to bear in mind it's it's a flat within another building so we didn't want to overdevelop bearing in mind we've got neighbors as well and we've we've primarily developed this to be a holiday let so um that and that was why we had to like it because it was part part of and parcel that we want somewhere that we can use as well so but i'll be honest with you i've got properties that i wouldn't live in really <laughs> I, don't, I don't love all of my properties no I wouldn't live in um, some of my uh, bytelets up north. Can you um, can you can I, you can you paint a picture of of one of them for us? I can't I can't see yeah, anything right well, now. So they're they're sort of terrace properties. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I just, it's probably not so much about the property, but perhaps the the area. I suspect. Oh, okay, and um, and then no. and then okay. So with those areas, so they're not that nice i'm i'm assuming is 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 what we're talking about here how do you then find tenants i guess there's always a tenant yeah. for, you know in every area so um, i've but I've, how yeah go on sorry i was just gonna say what is your relationship with them are they good are they um considerate what type of tenants are they yeah so i i've you know i've primarily got sort of social housing tenants i mean sometimes they have jobs sometimes they don't i mean i prefer them with jobs but you know they they are good rental properties because what you find is that people that live in these sorts of areas that they've often grown up in the area and they're you know maybe their cousin lives in the street but one and their mum's at the end of the road so they tend to sort of stick around for a long time and you know um patricia like any of us that are in this game that the longer that you've got your tenants in there the more profitable it is for you because it's it's when you have the voids that um it costs you money not only because you've got a period of time where there's not somebody in there but also you generally have to do a sort of a bit of a touch-up each time somebody moves out and somebody new moves in so actually that if you've got a tenant that wants to stay there for a long long time you're doing something right you know and generally i would say i've got pretty good um time scales with the majority of my tenants even our hmos i mean we've literally just had a tenant move out from one of our hmos um this week and i think it might be because he's lost his job 
And he's been with us since we bought the property. And that one we purchased in 2019. So, and that's not unusual for our HMOs. They stay with us a long time. So I think if you get it right, you buy the right property in the right area, the, you know, you can feed different types of strategies. So our HMOs, we go for professionals. But I don't have a problem going for social housing tenants in some of my buy-to-lets. Not all of them. I have buy-to-lets in other areas as well that are more affluent. So my ethos is diversify. I think it's important to have different types of properties in different types of areas with different types of tenants. Because if there's a big, I mean, I, I get the, the the argument that, you know, if you've got everything in one strategy, then you've got a massive economies of scale, which means that, you know, you're as efficient as you possibly can be. But if something goes wrong, um you know, it can wipe you out. So obviously when COVID hit, we had a massive uh, shift, didn't we, in 2020, of, of um, certainly in the student HMO market. And there were lots of uh, landlords that were, you know, students not paying and all sorts of stuff. And if you'd had all of your eggs in that basket, I mean, I imagine that could have been, I mean, I don't know if anybody got wiped out, but there, there, I'm sure there would have been some squeaky bum moments for sure for people. So I think for me... What works for me is diversification. You know, that sounds, yeah, definitely sensible. Um, and you've definitely taken that diversification, not only to the strategies that you employ, but also to where you actually employ them, you know, in the country. So sounds good. So your place is... Um, on the seaside you've got sea views from the lounge people if you're looking to book and kerry's not asked me to say this if you're looking to book a seaside holiday back channel kerry back chat with kerry um a tap on her face and go to her instagram and follow her so that you can actually message her so kerry we are coming to uh, an end here tell me how have you found the price increases and how have you been able to kind of like you know have they affected you maybe not if they have what how have you been able to kind of like you know absorb it and make it not adversely affect your business yeah i mean there's there's no denying there's been a massive um jump in materials and also labor for that matter um so the the a property that I've been sharing with you that we've recently finished, we we were massively over budget and um, we were concerned, obviously, but because the, the market has shot up so much, whatever extra we spent, we've gained even more in the um, the new value. So we actually had anticipated the new value of the flat to be 200,000 and we've got 225. So it's more than compensated. We also benefit because, um, as I've said, Andy, my business partner, he's a builder. So he doesn't mark anything up. Um, he also has, um, you know, big trade discounts with places like Howden's, etc. I'm also a member of the LNPG, so we benefit from discounts there as well. And just, you know, working with um, established trade that Andy, he's has known for, you know, many years, I mean, we probably not the most efficient, but we did actually have some of our guys from Oxfordshire coming out to um, the West Coast to help with the flat just because Andy knows that he can trust them 
um, and he knows what he's getting rather than sort of taking on uh, or risking um, using somebody new and it, it having to be redone. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, um, it's definitely a problem. I, can I see it changing in, in the near future? No, I mean, I, I think it's only going to get worse with the issues that we've got surrounding inflation. I mean, how how the government normally control inflation is they bring interest rates down. Well, they've got nowhere to go with interest rates. So, you know, I, I, I think we've we've got to bed down and we've got to anticipate um, further rises. But, you know, that will have, have a knock on effect with the uh, property market as well, I, I believe. And I think all, all if you're worried about this, just, you know, be really super conservative with your figures and build in some really healthy contingencies. And that's what we're going to be doing moving forward. But I think you've also got to tread a fine line because um, you can talk yourself out of doing things, uh, particularly, you know, large sums of money involved in property development. And um, if you're overcautious, guess what? You aren't going to get the deal. Someone else is going to snaffle it away from you. So there's a fine line between um, preparing and also, you know, talking yourself out of stuff. So, yeah, don't don't let anybody stop them from moving forward just because the, the, the figures are high right now. Oh, thank you, Kerry. Three things, three things I'm getting. One, you're not going to know everything. Two, you can make mistakes, but, you know, dig yourself out of them. Make it work for you. And three, don't let other people talk you out of what you believe to be a good thing. Do you know, what more could I ask for, Kerry? In a guest series podcast. I, no, more? but there might be something coming. Let's see. We've got 10 minutes. <laughs> you, might, you might throw a curveball at me yet. <laughs> No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Oh, honestly, it's been, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my squeaky chair and I, 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 have to, I have to say to myself mentally, do not move when you're on, when you, when you're not muted because the chair just squeaks. Actually, I'm going to, can you hear it? Anyway. Yeah, but mine's squeaking as well. So <laughs> you know, you're in good company. We're a right pair, aren't we? Um, honestly, Thank you so, 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 so much. So, you know, as Kerry said during her intro, she's an educator, she's a mentor. If you want to reach out to Kerry, you know, talk to her about her services, tap on her face, follow her, scroll down her Clubhouse bio, um, go to her Instagram link and... Um, uh, and um and um sorry uh, uh, go to her instagram link and follow her over to instagram where you can also message her um and she will no doubt be um able to answer any questions that you might have for her and you know i have of recent not been inviting people up to ask my guest questions but today does anyone have any questions for kerry before we close the room. In fact, somebody mentioned that to me. They said, oh, we have questions. And in fact, I've got some back chat comments. Let me see if they're questions for you. Um, okay. Now, what I think would also be good before we actually close down the room would be, Kerry, what mindset, as you and I know, is can be a big, big factor in people either succeeding or not succeeding. What do you 
as an educator have to say about that? Oh, my God, it's I would say it's probably more important than the knowledge. I mean, you need both. You need the knowledge. But you, but if you're um, if you don't have the right attitude or if you if you're overcome with fear or if you um, can't um, create the habits that are needed to sort of move you forward, then it's going to be very difficult to be successful. So I would say prioritize mindset, um, you know, as something that every single person, no matter what field you're in, I think is so important. You know, I mean, I've I've had lots of things that have happened to me in my life that have, I guess, helped me with my mindset. And sometimes those are quite big, scary things, you know, and at the time they seem insurmountable, but there, it's almost uh, the universe, if you like, sending you prompts to help you develop and grow as a person and and come out the other side fighting so yeah i mean it's critical so these things that you've spoken about are you able to share any details with us you don't have to but if you're able to it might just put you know what you've just said in into context yeah yeah absolutely happy to i mean i've shared about um one of them on here before but basically back in 2005 um i had quite something scary happen to me i was at work i was in um shooting uh some cosmetics actually in the studio that day i didn't have any customers with me it was a test shoot for a, a shoot that i had coming up and i started to have a really strange sensation which then led to me having an epileptic fit which then led to going to hospital having various tests etc and i was then diagnosed with a brain tumor so completely out of nowhere, complete curveball, um, hadn't really suffered from anything prior to that, you know, just the occasional cold or flu, you know, but nothing major. And so all of a sudden life got interrupted in a major way. And I, th- you know, it's interesting because people ask me about that period of my life and say, well, it must have been really scary. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there were scary moments. But quite soon after I had that um, diagnosis, Once I'd got over the shock, it was almost like I, on some level, I knew it was coming or it was my destiny or meant to be. Now I'm going a bit woo woo here now, but I just felt a sense of calm with it all. And because of that, I had the skill set to be able to come out the other side. And I genuinely believe that the way that I handled it um, is why I'm alive today, because I don't think I would be alive today if I'd I'd taken a different approach. attack mentally and that so the mindset that that I was okay I was going to be okay by the way I didn't know I was good you know I could have died I did actually align myself with three possible outcomes the first one was that I might die the second one was that I might end up brain damaged if they operated and the third one was that I would recover but I I wasn't attached to any specific outcome and I made peace with it could be anything and I was along for the ride and and let's see what life could teach me and you know I did obviously put into place um, completely changed my eating habits cut out uh, dairy gluten uh, sugar processed foods alcohol coffee you know I was literally just eating fish fruit, veg, the occasional bit of white meat, um, and just drinking, you know, at least two litres of water a day. And so when they actually operated on me in the November, which was sort of five, six months, five months after um, I had that seizure that I mentioned, 
the tumour had gone. So by having that sort of positive, well, not positive mental attitude, but aligning myself to whatever the outcome was going to be, it was going to be okay. And then putting into action, you know, that diet plan, I truly believe I healed myself. And if I'd, if I'd taken it on board differently and I'd been why me and, you know, think, thinking about the negative, I don't, I genuinely don't believe I'd be alive today. So that's how important mindset is. It's, it's the pivotal for everything, you know? So I, I mean, I work on mine daily. I don't know about you, Patricia. Do you do you do stuff daily? I mean, I know you're um, you go to church and of course that helps with with this kind of um, calmness as well, doesn't it? Oh, gosh. Uh, do you know, <laughs> if I if I if I didn't believe in God, I don't know where I would be, because when I'm when I'm suffering like, you know, some emotional trauma or, you know, whatever it might be, that's, you know, uh, unsettling me. I turn to God. And once I do, it just it just literally just ebbs away, literally just ebbs away. So, yeah, that 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 helps me. Um, and I think also, you know, coronavirus in itself, you know, the covid period, if if I can just call it that, that's also really helped me. Things that I used to stress about before covid, I now just think, oh, it could be a lot worse. And it really could be a lot worse. And I just don't worry about it. So I'm I'm having a whale of a time at the moment. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, mindset is good. And and also, uh, I think, I think, Kerry, as you know, you're saying it, it, it can be really important. And it also depends on who we are. If you're a person who needs to be in complete control of what you're doing, then you need to be thinking about the things yourself but if you go somewhere and somebody's telling you what to do it's not good it's not going to help you because you need to come to that realization yourself now people might help you get there but you need to find somebody who's not going to say to you do this do that you need more somebody who's going to say well what about this have you considered that and just yeah I, I I agree with you, but this course, is your room. This is your yeah, room, Terry. <laughs> I was just going to say, of course, it's a complete illusion that we have any control over over anything at all, anyway, because we don't. You know, at any point in time, things happen that we don't anticipate, so we don't really have any control over anything. We think we do, uh, but we don't. And at the the sooner that we can ease up on things having to be a certain way and just go with the flow. When you start to go with the flow, life just works, you know, and and I don't know about you, but life sends you messages all the time, you know, and if you ignore those messages, those messages become more severe. So for me, it took a brain tumour to get me on the right path, you know, for others, it might not be quite so severe. But so I would say, you know, use your instinct, listen out to the messages that that come into your life. You know, if something is, is proving to be really difficult, just check in and see, well, hang on a second, maybe this is not the right path for me. Maybe there's uh, a different path, you know. So I would say instinct plays a big part, mindset plays a big part, and just be open to the messages that the, that life gives you. Oh, Kerry Beckinsale, honestly. <laughs> oh, you make me feel so like I've done something not... naughty if you say my surname. <laughs> No, 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 no. I am just, I am just in awe. Do you know, I, I, I love you, my guests. 
because everyone is so different and everyone is so real and so honest. And I, I've been, I am lucky that I have you guys to come on here and share with people because the things that I value the most are the things that I'm getting from you guys. And, you know, you would probably say, yeah, Patricia, that is because, you know, people know what you're about and who you are. And, you know, like attracts like. Whatever it is, I am just so grateful. Kerry. Hey, you're welcome. Listen, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I know that we're going to have a great time working together. So thank you for the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, be with you today. And, uh, you know, I wish you every success with it moving forward. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, um, Are you going to shout out um, our room tomorrow? Um no oh, oh okay let's do it let's do it although for people who might be listening on the replays stroke on the podcast come on to clubhouse and search for property kudos so kerry and i are starting a new room tomorrow it's going to be on thursdays thursdays at 10 30 a.m oh it's going to be great and off of that we are because each of us have been we we've been inundated with requests to do something to do something else and we are only who we are kerry's only her i'm only me so anyway we are coming together to do a mastermind it's going to be a new mastermind and we're starting in q2 of this year and you know people with questions can come on to can come into our rooms thursdays 10 30 and ask us questions about them. Otherwise, we have a very simple website called Property Kudos. So it's propertykudos.co.uk. You can go there. And if you're interested in the mastermind, we are completely open about what we're doing. And we've put our price on there as well. So, you know, the nosy people in the room and on the replays and listening to the podcasts, even though you may not be interested, you might fancy going along to see how much we're going to be charging you know we are not about and there'll be no upsells if people are interested in anything else yes they can talk about it but we're not going to be saying to people you must do this and it's going to cost you an extra whatever no that's not us transparency openness knowledge networking that is what can I add us. a word? Empowering as well. That's what we want. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Because otherwise there's no point. So that is what that's all about. Thank you so, so much. And um, next week, Wednesday at 12 noon, I've got Ian Wormsley, who's going to come on here and talk to us about why he is the planning geek. Oh, it should be interesting. So if you like these podcasts, why not subscribe and, and review them, good or bad, just be honest. And you know, any feedback is welcome. And on that note, I'm just going to say thank you everyone for spending your afternoon in this room with us. And Kerry, I've got to know you even a little bit more, even though I didn't think that was going to be possible. So thank you very much for sharing what you have shared with us. Really appreciate it and have a great day, everyone. Thank you.